Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about Pasteur in the 18th century or 19th century version section of The Great Scientists coffee table book, which uh, basically um, makes um, rewrites history, putting cartoon figures of scientists who want to be just like the modern day science communicator you have in front of them, having the same values, the same thoughts about their society and being crushed by their society, sort of justifying uh, what they're doing. So overall, sort of a pretty uh, lacklustre uh, description. Uh, and some of the descriptions are, um, I would say, unethical. That is, um, that it behoves someone who's communicating to do their research, and some of the research is just not founded. So when a good story comes along, it's a story they love to tell about um, Vesalius uh, sleeping with corpses. Uh, Bambage, I think, would actually be this idea of someone who's got a hearing thing and, and wanted to make a, me a mechanical engine, the steampunk computer, and um, in that um, in that environment, uh, died suffering listening to a um, organ music outside. This incredible organ music. It's sort of like this, this beautiful image. Maybe, maybe it's true, I don't know. Uh, you've got uh, Charles Darwin, which you've just, um, just done. So it's, it is really a um, boy's own um, drama, sort of, oh, Jerry's up there, I'll just run to my Spitfire and have a big dog fight and go down and, and, and have a drink and have a thing and then have an adventure with my dog. All in one night, all what, what, bravo, all this incredible stuff. So it sort of leaves you there that there's a lot of the humanity is gone. Uh, it is interesting, there's these small little snippets of uh, scientists' relationships with their mothers, um, just the slightest implication that there were women and romance involved. Uh, you've got Ada Lovelace, uh, daughter of uh, the poet Byron, as a mathematician coming in. But you know, she was swept aside in this misogynistic diatribe. Okay, now... We're going to Louis Pasteur. With his brilliant work on microbes, the great French scientist Louis Pasteur, 1822 to 95, they're not living very long in, you know, in terms of this, pioneered theory of germs cause, that germs cause disease, discovered how to vaccinate against rabies, anthrax and chickenpox, and found the method of treating wine, beer and milk to prevent them spoiling, that now bears his name, pasteurization of Louis, oh, I'm going to Louis Pasteur. Uh, my um, thing is, you've got a disease which is um, caused by a germ, caused by genetics or, or your condition, like you just run out, you, like you, you get old, and so that, and environmental diseases, uh, you, get, you get poisoned by lead. You know, lead poisoning is not something that, that um, is going to affect everyone. So let's go through that. Uh, and so often people say, oh, germs are destroyed uh, diseases, and then uh, germs, which is bacteria, as opposed to viruses. Uh, in the mid-19th century, 
uh, although trains were speeding people quickly from place to place, telegraphs were enabling instant communication. Scientists were discovering fields of radiation and subatomic particles. Medicine was still comparatively in the dark ages. Yeah, I, I would say that, that that subatomic particles is not mid-19th. You've got uh, Thompson who discovered it in something like 1892, 1899, the electron. That's the first subatomic particle, so this is not true. Uh, okay, the chances of surviving childhood, uh, even among the well-to-do, were not good. Victorian families almost expected that at least one of their children would die young, although that did not make it easier to bear. Women knew there were quite high chance that they would die giving birth, especially if they went to hospital. Huh. My... My entire thing is, this is the entire thing of, I suppose, love, the rationality. You, you rationally want children. It's sort of a very high-risk enterprise. Um, after a surgical operation, the chances were that the disease would kill the patient, even if the surgery did not. And disease like cholera and consumption TB took a high toll, especially amongst the poor. Doctors were virtually powerless against many illnesses and catching diseases like consumption or syphilis was almost certainly a death sentence. Doctors had very few drugs to take, we take for granted. Indeed, the only effective drug they uh, had was opium to kill the pain. They had no idea what actually caused infectious diseases. This is so, you've also got um, things like um, technology like the murder bottle that they were feeding feeding infants um, knowledge um, replacing uh, farm knowledge like the pace of life wasn't thought out ahead um, Lewin Locke which we had early in the book had hinted at the possible role of microbes in disease when he discovered in the 17th century uh, but no one had really taken up the idea the idea in the 19th century, which is the 1800s, many doctors believed that diseases um, were caused by miasma, a mysterious toxic vague that welled in stagnant waters, slums and faeces. Even though they had observed bacteria in the wounds of diseased tissue, they believed they appeared there spontaneously, that they were actually a result of any decaying process. Yet you what spontaneous um, creation, that is, um, they would see cows coming out of a cow but for um, uh, rats and stuff like that they wouldn't see how they were produced it's sort of pretty amazing stuff so they would suddenly see insects arrive but they wouldn't think oh look, they're having sex they're, they're having eggs and all that sort of stuff um, Pasteur's initial interest in microbes came from his research into winemaking, which showed that microorganisms called yeast uh, are what make the wine ferment and mature. So uh, a yeast is a fungus. It's not an animal. Uh, it's not a bacteria. It's a, it's a fungus. But it is interesting that you've got priestly with carbonated water. A lot of these people are doing other things besides science. They're uh, trying to treat um, the royalty gets treated royalty. Part of the treating royalty is astrology. They discover astronomy. He discovered um, how the wrong kind of microbes make the wine go off, and they could be eradicated by heat treatment. 
He then went on to prove that spontaneous generation, the idea that microns appear from nothing, was a fallacy. So um, this is spontaneous generation was such such an idea. They had spontaneous generation, not or almost of people, uh, you, with the Virgin Mary and all that type of stuff. Uh, Pasteur became convinced that germ microns called disease, which is uh, an idea all suggested by the German scientist Robert Koch. Pasteur went on to show that many diseases could be prevented by arming the body's defences through vaccinations, which weakens the form of the germ weakened form of germs. Over the next few decades, scientists succeeded in identifying germs responsible for a range of diseases, including TB. Cholera, diphtheria, lipsy, tetanus, malaria, and yellow fever. Mm. Now, malaria's parasite, it's pretty amazing. The young artist, Pasteur, born on the 27th of December 1822 in Dole, Bologna. His father, Jean Joseph, was a tanner and only reasonably well off. Well off? No, just reasonably well off. As a boy, Lewis had more talent for art than for science, and it was said that he could have been a great painter. However, as he grew older, he showed an increasing interest in science. When he was 21, he entered the prestigious École Normale Supérieure to train as a science teacher. This is the most amazing thing that you do have uh, these teachers. I think Boyle was a teacher. Um, uh, he's a teacher. Uh, um, what is it? Um, obviously, Plato, Pythagoras, all these uh, are teachers. After, uh, and of course, Mendeleev. I wonder if we have Mendeleev. After a year, uh, after graduating, he presented his first paper to the Academy of Sciences. It was a brilliant debut. In it, he explained uh, that the crystals of tartaric acid, which uh, made the grapes ferment, um, and the crystals of rimic acid are chemically identical but polarized light differently, and different polar. Um, different properties. So this is um, a uh, racematic thing. Pasteur showed their crystals are not actually identical, but perfect mirror images of each other. Isn't that most absolutely beautiful thing? I really want to do do that. There's a mirror, the drug I'm taking to thin my blood for my little piece of nuclear missile I've got in my heart. A little shard of uh, um, pyrolytic carbon. I have to take this drug. It has got a racematic mirror image versions of it. Such was the impact of Pasteur's paper. He was given the Légion d'Honneur, a French Order of Merit, by the French government, and a gold medal in the English Royal Society. Pasteur later became recognised as the founder of what is now known as stereochemistry. The workaholic uh, professor. And I sort of understand this. He was made professor of chemistry at the University of Strasbourg because of these honours, and married Marie Laurent. She's absolutely happy. As he did throughout his life, he began to work extremely hard at his research. Later in life, Marie wrote to her daughter, quote, Your father is always very busy, uh, is very busy, as always. Says little to me, sleeps little, and gets up at dawn. In a word, continues life as I began with him 20, 35 years ago today. Oh, a little hint, this is our 35th wedding anniversary, and he's just a dickhead. Uh, Marie Laurent, Marie Laurent, all beautiful. In 1854, Pasteur made head of science at the University of Lille, 
because he believed teachers and industrialists should not live in separate worlds, he began to make quite a name for himself in the city by organising classes of working men and trips to the factory for his science students. And encouraged by this, the manager of a local vinegar factory approached him with a problem. The factory made vinegar from beet juice, but the fermentation process often seemed to go wrong, spoiling the vinegar. Some problems occurred in the wine and beer making. Isn't that absolutely beautiful? And um, this is this entire community engagement. Discovering yeast. Previously, scientists had assumed fermentation was a chemical process, but when Pasteur investigated with the age of a microscope, he saw the wine and beer aged properly when they contained tiny round microbes called yeast. Uh, it was these microbes Pasteur realised that made the alcohol in fermentation. He also observed wine and beer contained long narrow yeast cells when the process went wrong. Uh, it was clear to him that the two kinds of yeast involved, one made alcohol, the other made unwanted lactic acid. So lactic acid is um, uh, an extra, uh, alcohol is um, a, propanol, uh, a propane, three carbons, but two oxygens on the end. Lactic acid has got two oxygens on the end and, and an extra oxygen in the middle, middle um, thing. So, and of course, the more something gives, uh, takes in electrons, absorbs electrons, the more protons are left, and that's in your your um, your idea. So you've got the um, uh, Arenas, Larry Brunstead, and Lewis acid. That's the Lewis acid, which gives you Lewis acids and quantum mechanics gives you the idea of it. Uh, in a way that came to typify his approach. Pasteur was not content with discovering the problem. He wanted to find the solution. His poor wife is, is still there, arms folded, saying, Louis, tap, tap, tap. Um, he wanted to find, he found that he could kill off the harmful yeast while leaving the good yeast undamaged by heating the wine gently to about 140 degrees. Winemakers uh, were at, at first sceptical of his findings and were worried about the effect of heating would have on the flavour, but they were soon won over. The process called pasteurisation is now widely used to make wine, beer, milk, and many fruit is, fruit juice is safe to drink. Yeah, not to make them, but to make them safe to drink. Microbes in the air. Pasteur's work on yeast cells made him begin to wonder how such microbes appeared in the first place. He had convinced they were not spontaneously generated, as many people said, i.e. that the people didn't believe in sex, Mr. and Mrs. Yeast Cell coming together. By a series of simple but ingenious experiments, he showed that food goes off when in contact with ordinary air, but not when exposed to only air which has been heated uh, to kill off many, any microbes. He demonstrated that food does not go off so quickly at high up in the Alps where the air is thin. This proved that mold, bad food, is not generated spontaneously by the food, but comes from spores in the air. Fewer spores in the air, the more slowly food goes off. It could well also be that the actual overall temperature and spore count. Pasteur was beginning to acquire a Mr. Fixit reputation, and in 1865 he was asked to investigate a disease that was killing silkworms and threatening the industry of southern France. Reluctant at first because he knew nothing about silkworm caterpillars, he finally agreed and studied the problem with the usual vigour. Poor Mrs. Marie Laurent. Um, Marie Laurent would say, Oh, look, I have a problem with domestic 
Felicity, uh, would you come and solve this? Oh, yes, I will. Oh, oh it's my wife's trick me. Okay. Um, reluctant. Um, he quickly realised that tiny parasite was sculpted and recommended a drastic solution, destroying all the infested worms, the mulberry trees, and starting again. Silk makers took his advice and the silk industry survived. His reputation was now so great that in 1867, Emperor Napoleon III uh, had a special laboratory created for him to replace attic laboratories at the Colonial Normal, um, Superior Normal, in which he had entered. Uh, he had to enter on his knees. Unfortunately, he only enjoyed his new space for a year when a stroke left him permanently paralysed in the upper arm and leg. He was thereafter dependent on laboratory assistants to perform all but the simplest laboratory work for him. Isn't that amazing? Microbes and disease. By now, Pasto was becoming... It's amazing the number of strokes which knock these people off. Particularly Faraday. It was pretty sad. It's sort of similar to me having strokes. Uh, by now, Pasto was becoming convinced of the role of microbes in infection. The English surgeon, Joseph Lister, of Listerine fame, had read about Pasteur's work and had realised that the surgical operations could be made safer if the wounds were cleaned and dressing sterilised to destroy microbes. The death rates and operations began to drop once the antiseptic procedure was introduced. Lister, uh, far out. So you have to, you have to, um, before heart surgery, uh, firstly they shave you and you, you just realise, like, there's just, this huge pile of body hair taken off. Then you have to do a double wash with this antiseptic um, thing, shower and double wash. And uh, uh, it says in the tiniest writing which you cannot read, avoid putting it in your eyes. Obviously you're not gonna wear your glasses because they're dirty, right? Ugh, it's just awful. Okay. Um, ugh. Uh, okay. Lister recognised Pasteur's contribution, saying that Pasteur's 17th birthday celebrations, truly there does not exist in the world an individual to whom medical science owes more than you. Oh, he's always a lusty person. Pasteur himself began to investigate the ways diseases spread amongst humans and animals. He was sure germs played a part. In 1876, Robert Koch claimed to have detected germs that caused sheep disease anthrax. Pasteur ran his own test and not only confirmed Koch's findings but showed that germs can survive long periods in the soil. Therefore, healthy sheep should easily pick up the disease from a field previously occupied by sick sheep. Anthrax is pretty amazing. The power of inoculation. At first, Pasteur thought to treat the problem as he had the silkworm investigation by killing the infected sheep and burning and burning the land. Then he realised that any sheep um, that had survived a bout of anthrax became immune to disease. A century early, Edward Jenner had shown that inoculating people with cowpox, a mild version of the smallpox the disease protected against smallpox, Pasteur wondered if this might work for anthrax. In a famous experiment, he showed that sheep inoculated with anthrax germs weakened by heating survived inoculation uh, with full-strength germs, uh, while untreated sheep did not. In this way, millions of sheep were protected against anthrax. And in 1878, Pasteur showed the inoculation works for chicken cholera too. Soon Pasteur turned his attention to rabies. His success in creating a vaccine against the terrible disease made him famous across Europe. Indeed, it caught the public's imagination and a movement to collect funds to further his work 
had contributions flooding in from far and wide from both ordinary people and royalty, including, drumroll, the Tsar of Russia. It's, you know that you've made it when the Tsar of Russia, even nowadays, if, you've, if you have, say, please donate, click on donate, and something a donation comes in, the Tsar of Russia, you've made it. Over 2 million francs was raised, and on the 14th of November, 1888, the Pasteur Institute opened in Paris. Sort of like the L'Oreal or the um, Clinique Institute for the Pons Institute. Pasteur died in 1895 with the words. Oh, no, so hopefully he said them. They didn't say the words, and the words killed him. One must work. One must work. I have done what I could. He was given a full set funeral and buried in a magnificent tomb in a Pasteur Institute. Its walls decorated with paintings of lambs, dogs, children whose lives had, he had saved. <laughs> like that. Lambs, meh, dog, woo, meh, he's saved. Okay, preventing rabies. Uh, isn't that, and poor Marie Laurent, poor Marie Laurent. Oh, I feel so sorry for her. In the 1880s, rabies was particularly nasty, major disease that killed its victims slowly and agonizingly, and Pasteur was determined to find a way to beat it. Well, the rest of the time, it was just just a laugh. Oh, I got, got a battle of rabies. Oh, shit. Check the calendar. Oh, it's 1880. Oh, far out. At great risk to his life, he took samples from the jaws of rabid dogs by sucking the saliva through a glass tube and infected rabbits with them. In this way, he created a weakened version of the virus by drying out the rabbit's spinal cords after they died. This weakened virus was injected into healthy rabbits and protected them from rabies. Poor bunnies! Oh no! I can you imagine a rabid, a rabid rabbit. How can you pronounce that? A rabid rabbit. A, a, what's this? No, I asked for a rabbit, not a rabbit rabbit. A rabbit rabbit. A rabbit rabbit. Uh, Pesto was unsure whether the vaccine would work on humans uh, and was wary of trying. Then, in July 1885, a nine year old shepherd boy called Joseph Mestier was brought to him after being bitten 14 times by a rabbit dog. Not just once, twice. How many is it? 14 times. Um, Pasteur, if Pasteur did nothing, the boy was certain to die in acne. So he took the chance and injected the boy with his rabies vaccine. Fortunately, the treatment worked and the boy remained healthy. The news of Pasteur's success spread throughout Europe and he found people turning to him for a cure. Before young, a party of 13 Russians who had been bitten by a mad wolf turned out <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Can you imagine 13 Russians? Gee, that wolf's pissed off. It's about that, I mean, a rabid wolf. Uh, and Pasteur feel the disease might have gone far too far. Again, though, his vaccine worked and 16 of them survived. What? Or 19, 16. Over the next 10 years, 20,000 rabies victims were given Pasteur's treatment and only 200 died. Okay, isn't that an amazing story? Another 
podcast, another story comes to a close. It's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you. May you discover truly amazing things, understand them and tell others. Thanks for listening.